Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Hello and welcome to the podcast, UFO Warning. Today I'd like to talk about a really uh, just what I would call a solid case. Uh, it happened back on October 1st, 1948 in the evening. I think it was about 9 o'clock. Uh, it involved a gentleman named uh, George Gorman. He was a World War II um, pilot, a, a vet. He was only 25 years old at the time, but this guy is rock solid. There's just no way around about it. I mean, from all accounts I read, he was a stand-up citizen. Mr. Gorman uh, was uh, doing an exercise there in Fargo, North Dakota. That's where the incident took place at. And he was with a uh, National Guard Air Group doing some uh, doing some kind of routine exercises. Keep in mind that Minot, South Dakota, is up on the northern end of the state, toward the northern end of the state, maybe central, quite a ways away. But there are, uh, it's a big missile base up there. So there was a good reason for for uh, for there to be National Guard uh uh, jets in the area. He's flying a P-52, was it? It was an old uh, World War II fighter plane. So anyway, they're out doing their little exercise in the evening, and they uh, are headed back to the airport in Fargo that evening, and George decides that he wants to get some more flight hours in, some more flight time in. So uh, he gets permission. Uh, he was a lieutenant colonel at the time, I believe, and uh, the rest of the guys go back. I believe there were three of them. They land, and as he's flying along toward uh, Fargo, he sees what he describes as uh, a yellow-orange ball of light. And he said that it was uh, clearly defined. It wasn't fuzzy. It wasn't shooting off rays. And he describes, as the description says, six inches across. So I'm assuming that's how big it appeared in his windshield. And this is something common that we see even today with a lot of these uh, balls of light phenomena. They act like they're intelligently controlled, but, um, you know, they're impossibly small for a pilot to be in. It's almost as if they're just uh, pure energy. And so they really fall into the case of a phenomena more than an object. Well, he spots this thing, and at the same time, he looks down and he spots uh, a couple people well he didn't know there were two but there was a there was a piper cub below him so mr gorman he calls into the air traffic control there in uh, fargo and there are two guys in the control tower he says hey i've spotted this i spotted this uh, ball of light thing and uh, he's in pursuit of it and he asks them if they've seen anything and sure enough yes both the men in the tower uh report that they have in fact seen this uh, unidentified object then he calls on the radio, and they make radio contact with uh, the pilot and the passenger in the uh, uh, Cub airplane. At first, I didn't see it, but as the as this Piper Cub is flying under underneath uh, the fighter plane, as they turn around and go to make their approach to land at Fargo, they do in fact see the same UFO that Mr. Gorman has, and they report. So now we have four witnesses. 
Mr. Gorman, he uh, continues to pursue this craft, as he describes it, and this thing just zigzags all over. He estimates what well, the P-52 he's in can go up to 400. He's, he's flying at speeds up to 400 mile an hour. He's chasing this thing. This thing's doubling back on him. At one point, he has to dive to, to keep from hitting it. He no more than gets his position back up and turned around, and this uh, UFO is coming back at him from another direction. This time, he says, it just takes a right angle straight up in the air. He reports that this thing goes up so fast, he pulls his stick back. He climbs to 14,000 feet, and, you know, this guy's a, a, a World War II uh, fighter pilot. He says that he, he made the inclination so hard, he put so many G-forces on himself that he nearly blacked out. Temporarily, he started to black out climbs to 14,000 feet, which is just all this old warbird could do. And uh, he can't even begin to keep up with the thing. Eventually, this goes on for a little while. I think he was up in the air for 27 minutes. The whole encounter lasted. He gets back down to uh, the airport. He f fills out a report, and he draws a diagram. Because keep in mind, he is a World War II a combat fighter pilot. So he's not approaching this like a normal person would. I mean, he is remembering every uh, moment of that uh, encounter. He, he, just, he writes a diagram. He, he uh, creates a diagram explaining, you know, exactly what time that he came across the object. Uh, he describes every single maneuver he makes, the location and the speeds and the, alt and the, and the altitude, everything. So he, when he gets done with his report, he has a comprehensive uh, eyewitness report, just like he would have written if he would have uh, had a dogfight with, uh, you know, a World War II adversary. And that's what he describes it as. It's known as a Gorman UFO dogfight, even though there weren't any uh, shots fired. So he completes the report. Uh, the, you have the two eyewitnesses in the tower. They completed a report. You have the two eyewitnesses in the Piper Cub. They're both named. They both come forward. There's nothing anonymous here. And you also have two uh, crew members on the ground, people that were there, uh, employees, maintenance employees of the, of, of the uh, uh, tower at Fargo. So now you have three pilots, two aircraft controller, and two maintenance folks that all seen this UFO, this ball of light that Mr. Gorman describes, and they all watched him chase this thing through the air. They observed this dogfight, and they all 100% uh, agree, or you know, on what happened. All, all relevant details are agreed to. Everybody, everybody had their own perspective. They might have had a little difference here and there, but they all agree that this UFO appeared. And that it made these impossible turns, that it went at speeds, of, they estimate, up to 2,000 mile an hour, and it was doing things that were just not humanly possible. It was doing things that m no machine that, that, that we have created could possibly do. So they've got the Air Force Base here in Minot, which is to the northwest, I don't know, got to be a couple hundred miles maybe. They send a team down, and they send down uh, guys that um, are assigned to the sign team, I believe it was called, and they are a precursor of um, Blue Book. So they uh, take the all the eyewitness testimony. I mean, you've got six uh, reliable 
eyewitness uh, accounts here, and they just they go through their weather reports, they go through their uh, radar reports, and there's just there's just no explanation for it. So they more or less just come up with the conclusion that it's unexplained. And hey, what's wrong with that? Well, apparently there's a lot wrong with that because the Air Force then sends down another team. And uh, this time they take uh, radiation uh, samples from the airplane that Mr. Gorman flew. And Well, they've taken those before. Let me backtrack. And it had come up as a little bit radioactive. And they said, well, maybe it had been in contact with something. Well, that would make sense because a lot of these UFO reports, when people get near them, there are reports of radioactive uh, radiation contamination, radioactive poisoning, whatever. And that's what happened with Mr. Gorman's airplane. So, uh, and that, I think that kind of also lent toward them coming up with the conclusion of uh, unexplained. So the second investigation group comes down from the Air Force. Well, this time they decide to... Uh, they can't, they really can't uh, just dismiss these reports because these people are too reliable. So what they do is they come up with the notion that this was a weather balloon and they claim that there was some sort of secret weather balloon operation going on by the government that they hadn't told anybody about and that uh, Mr. Gorman was simply mistaken when he thought that the weather balloon was doing all these crazy uh, moves at right angles. That was just because uh, he was making those crazy moves at different angles, and so it created the illusion to him that it was a balloon moving and not himself. Well, this is nuts. This guy is a World War II fighter pilot veteran, okay? If he would have been that incompetent, he would have been shot down before he ever got back to the States. So to say that about this guy, to me, is just insulting, and to say that the two people that the on the ground in the radar tower, or the two people in the pile that were in the uh, the Piper Cub, or the two maintenance guys, they all thought this was uh, you know a UFO. That they were all mistaken, and they couldn't tell the difference between a weather balloon standing still and uh, and an object moving at 2,000 mile an hour. Well, that's ludicrous. And then they also tried to explain away uh, the radiation readings on uh, Mr. Gorman's uh, fighter plane. And they said, well, that occurred because of the altitude. Well, this doesn't make sense to me. I really haven't had time to do a lot of research on it. But in his report, his uh, elevation that he, fl he was flying at tops out at 14,000 feet. Well, when you consider that... You know, uh, your your average little passenger plane could be could be flying at five or or six thousand feet easily, and that your average uh, jet airliner is cruising at thirty to forty thousand feet. I can't imagine that fourteen thousand feet for that short period of time. And remember, he was only at the fourteen thousand feet as he engaged the craft for just a you know a few minutes. I can't even imagine that the radiation would 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 uh, be incurred for that little bit of time at that at that uh, altitude. It's it's like with a lot of these cases, they just start grasping for straws. So anyway, the second team came in, the debunkers. They came in, which was, happens a lot in these cases when you have an ironclad case like this with great witnesses. You have great documentation, and then an initial investigation will come in, and they'll just say, "Well, it's unexplained." 
which would make sense. But then the debunkers roll out, and they're they're there. They're there to just completely uh, massacre anybody's reputation, whatever they have to do to uh, make it look like uh, the UFO phenomenon doesn't exist. As a result, Mr. Gorman, uh, from all accounts, uh, never spoke publicly of this of this uh, dogfight again. Um, he gave his account. He did his reports. I mean, he did everything you know a responsible citizen could do. And then when they came in with the de- with the debunking crew, uh, he just dropped it. And uh, they said that from the articles that I read that he continued on as a career pilot in the Air National Guard there, and passed away in 1982. Uh, it's a great. It's a great. Uh, case. It's a great story. It's got some really, really good documentation to it, unlike the case that we covered yesterday with the Del Rio crash. I mean, with Mr. Gorman, we know exactly where he was at. We know what the exact date was, his military uh, history. Uh, There's no uh, discrepancies about it. It's just the facts are just right there. And the fact that as a former fighter pilot, he diagrammed out the entire uh, incident, just like he would with if he if he had uh, engaged in enemy aircraft, so that we're able to recreate the scene that he experienced, and then you combine that with uh, multiple eyewitnesses on scene, the, the airplane pilots, the radar guys, and the maintenance guys. Uh, this to me is just one of the best cases ever for a UFO uh, sighting. So. Uh, there is a there's a write up on that with the History Channel. There's been a couple of really well written accounts of it. Uh, it's a good read. Check it out. That's all for now. Over and out. UFO warning. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.